And thank you, ladies. Thank you. Wow. It, isn't that, shouldn't that be why we're here looking for the Lord and hungering for the Lord and longing for the Lord? And oh, we need that as a nation. And I think as we delve into the Word of God this morning, uh, there definitely today needs to be a cry to come before the Lord and to seek His face. Uh, Revelation chapter 9, you find your place if you would stand with me as we read together a portion of God's Word. Revelation chapter 9, we're coming to the end of this chapter. Uh, the next few chapters are kind of a parenthesis, we might say, in the midst of uh, the uh, trumpet judgments, and uh, we're going to move through the next chapters uh, quickly, but here this morning, I'm going to take some time just to settle down here on a couple of verses and pull some truths out. Verse number 20, uh, as we come here, and we're going to just title this message this morning, The Hardness of of man's heart. In Revelation 9, verse number 20, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils, and idols of gold, and silver, and brass, and stone, and of wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication nor their thefts. Now we're coming and giving you the context of this here in just a moment uh, here and a very, uh, a very sad a portion of Scripture, a very true portion of Scripture, and, and I think a challenge uh, for us here this morning. If you'll join me, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We need Him this morning. And would you ask the Lord to have His way here in your hearts and in this service here this morning. Father, we thank You this morning. You're so gracious, so good to us. It's good to be in this place this morning. We've sensed your presence and we've been challenged by the songs that have been sung. And uh, Lord, we've been challenged just by the presence of one another. And Lord, here this morning, we, we come before you. We so need you today. And Lord, you know every heart in this auditorium. And I pray this morning, it's not by accident that anybody is here. And Lord, we pray this morning that you would minister your word by your spirit Lord, that you would draw, that you would convict, that you would challenge today. And Lord, I pray that you would raise up here at Valley Bible Baptist an army uh, that would be faithful to you, an army that would be revived, an army that would be sold out for you, that would reach our community, our valley, northern New Mexico, uh, that we would reach out into the United States, that what you do right here uh, would challenge multitudes of others. Show what you can do through a people yielded to you. Help us to be yielded today, we pray, in the wonderful, marvelous, precious name of Jesus. Amen. And you may be seated this morning. And as you're seated, I want to take us back and just look at a couple of statements made in verse number 20 and 21. In verse 20, we read, The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of the works of their hands. And in verse number 21, the statement again, neither repented they. We have very clearly the testimony as to the hardness of man's heart. And it's clear that apart from God's grace, man left to himself is utterly wicked and deserving of the judgment and punishment of God. What we read here reminds me of the heart of Pharaoh back in the Old Testament. Uh, Moses came to Pharaoh 
And he said, let my people go. And Pharaoh responded, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? He said, I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. God began to reveal himself then to Pharaoh through the plagues. Uh, We know the water turned to blood and uh, the plague of frogs, the plague of lice, and ultimately culminating in the death of the firstborn. Sadly, as we read through the plagues, uh, Pharaoh continuously hardened his heart. We might say of Pharaoh that he repented not. His armies were then destroyed in the Red Sea and God delivered his people out of the land of Egypt. Now the context of our scripture here, Revelation chapter 9, it it reveals a yet future time when men will harden their hearts against God. Revelation chapter 9, as, as if you've been here through the preaching of Revelation, Revelation chapter 9 takes place in the midst of the tribulation. It's yet future. Uh, some have said that we're now in the tribulation with all that's going on. No, we're not in the, in the tribulation. Uh, all we are dealing with now is a prelude to the tribulation. The next major event will be the rapture of those that are saved. It's pictured for us in Revelation chapter 4 where John heard the voice, Come up hither, the voice as of a trumpet. Following the rapture, there will be the seven-year tribulation. It's called in the Old Testament often the day of the Lord. Also, we read of that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's known as the time of Jacob's trouble. It's the final seven years that is given according to Daniel chapter 9 to bring about the repentance of the nation of Israel. Uh, During the tribulation, the world is going to be called to a decision. And that decision is a simple one. It's to receive Jesus Christ or to reject Jesus Christ. As we've preached in the past, during the tribulation, a great revival. Revelation chapter 7, 144,000 Jewish witnesses, 12,000 from each of the tribes of the children of Israel. Multitudes from every nation, tribe, and tongue will be gloriously saved during the time of the tribulation. Uh, And it appears as we read in Revelation 7, Revelation 14, that most of those that are saved during the tribulation are going to be martyred for their faith. They will refuse to follow the Antichrist. So on one hand, a great revival. On another hand, a great rejection. Those who do not get saved will take the mark of the beast. They will follow the Antichrist. They will worship the false god. They will doom their souls to hell. And in the midst of the tribulation, this passage that we just read, neither repented they. They continued in obstinate rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I want to to break down three simple thoughts this morning. And I hope we're able to to get through uh, all that God has placed on my heart. We're going to just take as far as the Lord allows here this morning. Uh, We'll notice here in this section of Scripture, the wrath of God is revealed. After the rapture, the Lord Jesus Christ begins to open the seven seals of the scroll that was presented to us in Revelation chapter 5. We'll see the opening of this scroll, these seals, in Revelation chapter 6. And as we spoke, that, that scroll, that book, uh, represents the title deed to the earth. 
by sin forfeited dominion to Satan. And all of creation now groans under the burden of sin, but uh, Jesus will take back this earth from Satan. It's happening. There's a war, a spiritual battle uh, taking place during the tribulation. Now the first six seals opened in rapid succession in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6 results in one quarter of the earth's population dying. Uh, dying from war, disease, famine, natural disasters. Revelation chapter 7, there's a brief pause before the seventh seal is opened. It's at that point that God raises up 144,000 Jewish witnesses boldly preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come to Revelation chapter 8, verse number 1. And it reads, And when he had opened the seventh seal, and then we read there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. All of the praise and all of the worship that we preached about previously, uh, that ceases for a period of time. There's a sense of awe and expectation as to what is about to happen here upon this planet. In Revelation chapter 8 verse number 2, And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And so... We move with the seventh seal, the opening of the seventh seal into the seven trumpet judgments of the Lord. From Revelation chapter 8 and through chapter 9, uh, we see the first six of these trumpet judgments. We dealt with those in the past. And as we look at those trumpet judgments, it's a testimony of God's wrath, of God's judgment on sin. Uh, understand this morning, God is holy. God must deal with sin. Yes, God loves man, but God is holy. God is delivering this world from the grasp and the hand of Satan. As these judgments take place, we have a war, spiritual battle happening in the realm of earth. Verse 7 is the first trumpet, and I'm just going to quickly march through these because we've dealt with them in the past. Uh, One-third of the trees, green grass, will be burnt. Much more extensive than the fires we're dealing with now here in the state of New Mexico. Verse 8, the second trumpet. And as it were, a great mountain burning with fire was cast into the sea. Perhaps a, a meteor, one-third of the sea, became blot. You say, how's that possible? Remember that in Egypt, in the plagues, God turned the waters into blot. Uh, verse number 10, the third trumpet, a great star from heaven known as Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood. Many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. Verse number 12, the fourth trumpet uh, speaks of darkness, one third part of the day and night. Then we move into chapter number 9. The final three trumpet judgments are labeled the woe judgments. They're much more severe than the previous four trumpet judgments. Trumpet number five, the first war, results in great demonic activity here upon this earth, tormenting those that followed the Antichrist. You look in chapter 9, verses 5 and 6. It says to them it was given that they should not kill them, but they should be tormented five months. Their torment was as the torment of a great scorpion when he striketh a man. And in those days shall men seek death, shall not find it, shall desire to die, and death shall flee from them. Uh, again, remember.
Remember, the war is taking place. It's a war for the soul of man. Uh, we go to trumpet number six. It's the second woe and the release of an army of 200 million. Now, the description in chapter number eight, or chapter number nine, excuse me, appears to be uh, a demonic army. However, when we get to chapter number 16, there's an army from the east of 200 million that leads into the battle of Armageddon, and man will be on the verge of total destruction when Jesus Christ returns from heaven. I want you to look in chapter 9 and verse 15. It says, And the four angels were loosed, which were prepared for an hour, and a day, and a month, and a year, for to slay, notice this, the third part of men. And then in verse number 18, By these three was the third part of men killed, by the fire, by the smoke, by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. So we read here that one-third of the world's population will be killed. Now remember back in chapter 6, one-fourth of the world's population was destroyed. And now in chapter 9, an additional one-third of the population destroyed. And you do the math, uh, half of the world's population is destroyed by the end of the tribulation. Now that's hard for us to fathom such destruction. But again, this is all-out spiritual war taking place. As we look at the testimonies of these judgments, uh, again, I remind you here today that God is holy. Now, I believe with all of my heart God loves man, but God hates man's sin. And a world that chooses sin over God must face consequences. And through the tribulation, God's wrath is poured out upon a world that chooses Satan over God. And God, in this tribulation time, will avenge the blood of His saints that have been martyred and persecuted and hated and despised during this time of tribulation. So we have here the wrath of God that is received by this world. Now it's in that context we come to chapter 9 and verse number 20. and We see the resistance of man revealed. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands. Now go back with me, if you would, to chapter 6. I, I want to read a statement here. Chapter 6 and verse number 15. At the first part of the judgments in, in the tribulation, the sealed judgments, in verse 15, and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman, every free man, hid themselves in the dens and the rocks and the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath is come. Who shall be able to stand? It's interesting. They recognize that these judgments come from God. And one would think that man's the wrath of God would repent and turn to Jesus Christ. And yet we come to this place in chapter number 9 where the Bible says they repented not. Again, man, apart from Jesus Christ, is hopeless. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Can I say this morning, it is not God's fault. 
God loves man, God desires man to be saved, but man chooses sin over God, over right, and over salvation, and God is left with no choice but to judge, because it is appointed to man once to die, and after this the judgment, and the soul that sinneth, it must die. It's revealing what God says of this future time in the tribulation. I think as we go through some thoughts here this morning, you're going to understand how close we may be. A battle raging right now for the heart and soul of man. Right now, in our day, eternal choices are being made. There are only two eternal destinies, heaven and hell. And it's all determined by what one does with Jesus. It's not determined by how good you are, all of sinners. Not determined by where you go to church or how religious you are. It's determined by what you do with Jesus Christ and Him alone. Uh, I make a statement that is so crucial to understand. We live in a day of grace, but some are now sending away their day of grace and their opportunity, and hardening their hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now what we speak now is not fairy tale, it's not science fiction, but uh, friends, this is truth from God's Word. Now I want to examine here some of these thoughts as men refused to repent. And again, I think a revelation of the foundation right now that is being paved for the time of tribulation. Now, verse number 20 speaks that they would not repent of the worship of devils. Look in chapter number 9, verse 20, Revelation. The rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues yet repented not of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass and stone and of wood, which neither can see nor hear nor walk. Now, I state this morning there is but one God the Lord Jesus Christ. There are not many paths to heaven. There's one door, and that door is Jesus Christ and Him alone. Yet man has continuously turned away from that door, away from God, and toward idols. Any worship that is not biblically grounded is the worship of devils. He speaks here, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, wood, which neither see nor hear nor walk. They're gods of man's own making. Uh, they're gods that cannot hear. And can I state here that, and you can research this, but occultism is now taking place in high government positions across this land today. But may I state that much of so-called Christianity today has become idolatrous. Now, today, I understand, God sets the terms, not myself. Uh, I don't set the terms. God's Word sets the terms. Uh, whatever I decide is not what's right. What God decides is what's right. And the Word of God is truth. Uh, you see, to take it any other direction, I make myself my own God. And true Christianity is anchored in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and in obedience to Christ and to His Word. Jesus said, if you love me, 
keep my commandments. See, false Christianity seeks to please self and not God. And so we have today occultic practices happening across the land. Worship of devils. Verse number 21, he gives a second thought. Men would not repent. Neither repented they of their murders. I just state this. Abortion is murder. It's the taking of an innocent life. Now there's much talk recently about the overturning of Roe versus Wade in the Supreme Court. And for that I'm grateful if that actually takes place. But have you followed the demonstrations that came out of that? Led to Supreme Court justices being threatened. And multitudes of demonstrations. And how many times have you seen this statement, my body, my choice. There's no thought about that innocent life that has no choice. And here's what takes place. A biblical society has an understanding of the sanctity of human life. God is the giver of life. The Lord gives. The Lord takes away. But we are quickly moving uh, from abortion into euthanasia. Euthanasia, the killing of a patient who's suffering from incurable, painful disease. and It's now being legalized in many countries and some states. And uh, sadly, uh, just uh, seeing this taking place, the lack of the regard for human life. But a lot of talk today from high elites that believe this earth needs today to be ridded of a big percentage of the population because of global change or climate change and all of this. It's a disregard for the sanctity of life. We're witnessing a world that has no regard for life. Man is made in the image of God. Life is precious. Life is God's gift. And when man gets away from God, he loses the sense of the value of the life that God has given and the Bible speaks that men would not repent of their murders. But I want to camp out on this next thought. And I've kind of teased about this a little bit. You notice in verse number 21, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries. Now, that word sorcery comes from the word pharmakia. Pharmacy, that's where we get pharmacy, pharmaceuticals from. It's a reference to mind and mood-altering drugs. And I am going to just make some statements, and I challenge you to research this yourself, because I think it's a testimony as to what's happening and the preparations of Antichrist that is soon to come upon this world. Uh, we have become, in our nation, uh, addicted, and uh, we have been controlled uh, in our nation uh, by drugs, mind-altering, mood-altering drugs. In, in 2020, this blew my mind. Revenues from pharma, pharmaceuticals, 1.27 trillion U.S. dollars. America has come under the control of the pharmaceutical industry. I'm going to just make some statements, and I'm not trying to be popular. I'm trying to be truthful because we need to be warned today what's happening. 
Do you uh, understand that the major advertisements on television today, in the magazines today, supported by the pharmaceuticals? Many political contrib contributions today. A vast number of politicians supported by, controlled by that industry. Uh, just very simply bought by pharmaceuticals. Uh, addictions are rampant. Now, when I first came to Española 34 years ago, this valley was known as the highest OD uh, per capita in the world. Now, the rest of the world is caught up to us. And this is happening all across our nation today. And here in New Mexico, we've just legalized marijuana. And if we understood the killing of the brain cells and what happens through this and what it leads to, we're becoming an addicted nation. We've, un we've come under the control of, of opiates. We've come under the control of, of pain pills. Uh, we've come under the control uh, of uh, the pharmaceutical industry. I can't tell you the number of, of ODs, funerals, I've had to preach. I've got to speak out. There's something happening today. Our nation is in a battle right now. It's a battle for the soul of mankind. And the soul of man is, is being destroyed. And methamphetamines have controlled the lives of many. And now we're dealing with fentanyl. And I'll make a statement here, and, and you can research this, but China is now producing lethal fentanyl and releasing it into America, and we're seeing a rash of ODs. Our enemy is destroying us. We don't even realize it. All of this is paving the way for submission to Antichrist. I want to give you something else that I want to challenge you to research. You ever hear of WHO, the World Health Organization? Our current administration is taking steps over the last weeks and last month to allow this organization basically to control our own national sovereignty. It's happening in Israel. It's happening nation after nation across the world. All who has to do is declare in a medical emergency and mandates can be issued to take away the freedoms that we've known in America. Over the past two and a half years, the world has entered a new stage. I began to research this. What I noticed, it, it was unprecedented. Virtually every nation had the same mandates. And there were nations that did not even have at the time the presence of COVID, but they had the mandates. And the same mandates, uh, social distancing, uh, the closure of churches and businesses, and mask mandates, vaccine mandates, never before in the history of our world has such thing taken place on such vast scale across the world. And in researching these mandates, you can trace this down. You know where it started. It started with who? the World Health Organization, that we are currently seeking to give the sovereignty and control of our nation over to. A massive campaign, advertisement, has taken place 
Remember, we said 1.27 million, or trillion, excuse me, 1.27 trillion pharmaceutical industry in 2020. Do you know where all of the signs have come from uh, along our freeways, highways? That's supported by the pharmaceutical industry. And if you study the background, it became wealthy through the last two and a half years. The big box stores were allowed to remain open. They prospered. They went with the agenda. Small businesses forced to close. Many permanently across this nation and will never recover where we've been. Now, friend, I, I'm just seeking this morning. We've got to know where we are. And if you don't understand or don't agree with this, research this out yourself. Any nation over the past few years that rebelled, uh, any business that rebelled, they were squashed. Now what many fail to realize, we're paving the way for what happens in Revelation chapter 13, where there will be a mandate of a mark, and that no man can buy or sell except to receive that mark. And so as I look at what has happened in our world over the past two and a half years, I believe it's a foundation that's being prepared and laid to accomplish the fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Now, can I say, I'm not seeking to be discouraging. To me, this is exciting. Because we live in the most exciting day in all of the history of the world in which to live. You are witnessing before your very eyes the preparation. How long will it be before Christ comes? No man knows the day nor the hour. Uh, we might have a parenthesis, a pause in all of this, but I'm saying that some foundation has been laid and how long will this happen? We, we don't know where it's all going to lead to, but I think it's very definite that the foundation is being prepared for such an effort. So they would not repent of their sorceries, pharmakia. Verse number 21, it says, Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication. Now, fornication is sexual sin, sexual involvement before marriage, and ultimately outside of marriage. God ordained marriage. God ordained the sexual relationship. Uh, and Hebrews 13, verse 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all the bed undefiled whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. See, this speaks of taking the sexual relationship outside of a marriage between a man, uh, one man and one woman, and it results in severe consequences. See, the world removes itself from God. It begins to worship the flesh, and that occurred in the days of Noah. That occurred in the days of Lot, and uh, there was fornication, there was pornography, there was adultery, and homosexuality, and lesbianism, and transgenderism, and bestiality, and and those were the sins that brought down Sodom and Gomorrah. Now, God made us. God's not cruel. God who made us knows what's best for us. And God set the boundaries for our physical and our emotional and our spiritual well-being. And man is called by God to repentance. It's because God loves us. And because God knows what's best for us. And God who made you knows what will prosper you in your life. Now, as you look at the heart of the Lord, the Lord wasn't condemning in this in John chapter 4. Remember the woman at the well? 
She came to Jesus and she saw the need of her heart and she recognized Jesus, the living water. Jesus called her out. You've been married five times, you're now living with a man. It's interesting, Jesus loved her just where she was. But he loved her too much to leave her where she was. And he brought a change in her life that resulted in multitudes of others in her city being saved. John chapter 8, there's another illustration of a woman taken at adultery, brought to Jesus. Old Testament law said she should be stoned and killed. And then as it was just Jesus and the woman, he says, hath no man condemned thee? No man, she said, Lord, neither, Jesus said, do I condemn thee? But notice what he said, go and sin no more. You see, Jesus gave her a new life, a new victory, a new beginning. That's what Jesus does. He comes into our heart. We're not saved by works. We're saved by his grace. But friend, when his grace enters in, it changes us. It makes us into a new person, a new individual. Verse 21. Let's give uh, very quickly this last one. Uh, they would not repent of their thefts, their robbery. I thought this was interesting. Read a survey uh, of young people. They were asked the question, is it wrong to steal from Walmart? And I, I was amazed at the answers. Uh, here's what was said. It's not wrong if you don't get caught. No, it's not wrong because Walmart can afford it. Okay, those were some of the responses. Of course, the Bible is absolute. Uh, see, a nation of entitlement thinks it's the job of my government to support me. But Paul had this philosophy, if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. See, the world is quickly moving in this direction of socialism and uh, taking from those who work and giving to those who don't work. And uh, spoke with the Santa Fe County official just this week and had a, a good conversation. <laughs> uh, property tax, and I just made the statement, we're killing our state, killing our nation. We're taking away the incentive of our young people to work. Taking away that incentive, that heart, and that desire. I believe the antichrist system is going to be a, a socialistic system that, that rewards the elites and punishes those who resist. And so I'll just throw those thoughts out. The resistance of man's heart is revealed. It's revealed to be rebellious. Now let's come back to chapter 9 and verse number 20, and I'll give you a final thought. I'll move through this very quickly. It's the repentance for salvation that is required. See, God says they repented not of their murders, and so on in verse number 21. God tells us of this future time when those who reject Christ will refuse to repent, refuse to humble themselves, refuse to turn to Christ, and they will do so as the wrath of God is poured out. The statement is, again, neither repented they. And so I ask the question, why? And I think what happens is we come to this point, they have sent away their day of grace. You say they resisted the truth. They were given to strong delusion. They believed a lie. They condemned themselves to judgment. And before judgment, God always offers mercy. 
It's not God's will to judge. It's not God's will to condemn. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And we live today in a day of grace. Christ paid our debt. On the cross, he cried, it is finished. I paid the debt. I paid it in full. And the invitation goes forth now. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And whosoever will, let him come and take of the water of life freely. The Lord will save anyone who turns to him. He can forgive your sin no matter how deep, uh, no matter how great, no matter how far from God you have been. Uh, he took the woman at the well. He forgave her. He took the woman taken in adultery. He forgave her. He can change your life. You can't change yourself. But he can change you. He can deliver you from idolatry and double worship. He can deliver you from hatred and bitterness. He can deliver you from addiction. He can deliver you from sexual sin. He can deliver you from thievery. But listen to me. When he delivers you, he won't leave you the same. He changes you. He gives victory. Salvation is on his terms. In his time. Today is the day of salvation. It's evident that many, as we come to this place in Revelation, will send away their day of grace because they resisted Jesus Christ. Now, I want to just sum up this thought here for us this morning. As a pastor, my job is to be a watchman. I don't preach to be popular. I want to pe preach to be truthful. I want to preach to share with you what God says. Friend, if I could tell you this morning, God loves you so deeply. And he proved that by going to the cross. He gave everything. See, he loves you too much to let you send your life away. He's got a plan and a purpose for you. Today is the day to come to him. Can I share with, with those that are saved this morning? We live in an exciting time. You have an opportunity that no other generation has ever had. You have an opportunity to give the truth of Jesus Christ to this world. He's the only answer. Christ and Christ alone is the only answer. He's what the world needs. You have the answer. Today is our open door. And we're to take that open door and to go forth boldly with the gospel of Jesus Christ. As we come to this point of the tribulation, the wrath of God is received. The resistance of man is revealed, but it shows that repentance from sin is required. And Jesus can take your life and make something special. I'd like for a moment every head bowed.